0: Slash secret podcast. Don't miss out, this is going to transform your exam prep and help you enjoy the process of becoming a licensed architect. All right, enjoy the episode. Welcome to Design Create Inspire with me, Bryn Young. I'm an architect and entrepreneur with a background in interior design and small business management. I have been running a successful award-winning architecture firm for over six years, and I'm here to discuss all things design and business. There are over 1 million podcasts to choose from, so thank you for taking the time to chat with me today. I hope to bring you value with every episode I create, so let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Design, Create, Inspire. Thank you for joining me on this beautiful Tuesday, or whenever you're watching or listening to this. Um... So a lot of my episodes, I talk about business and mindset and architecture in general, but I was thinking about it and realized I have never really given a story of who I am and how I got to where I am and uh, how I started my business and basically like what led me to that. So today I just want to take a back a little bit and tell you a little bit more about me and uh, how I'm here. And also hopefully that will inspire anyone who is looking to hopefully one day or tomorrow start a design studio or even just a business in general. Um, hopefully this will inspire you of, like how to get started or maybe what steps to take Um and also some of my things I wish I would have known before I got started, or just things I keep in mind now that I run a business. <laughs> so a little bit about me. I do talk a little bit more of like my architecture journey in my first episode about what's an architect, because I talk about like what I went to school for and all that stuff. But a little bit about me. I came from a family of entrepreneurs, so. I was definitely born and bred an entrepreneur. I was doing sales, uh, door to door drawings at two for 25 cents. Nowadays, I don't think I would let my two year old go door to door to the neighbors, but you know, different world back then. Um, And doing, you know, anything under the hat or under the sun, Uh, lemonade stands, snow cone sales, um, washing cars walking dogs, literally was in business all the time. I loved it, was always a big entrepreneur. So when I found my love for design, I knew that I wanted to have a design studio one day, whether that was going to be an interior design or architecture. Um, Early on, I figured it was interior design, but either way, I wanted to have my own studio. I wanted to work for myself. I wanted to control how that looked. So when I went to college, I got an undergrad I'm sorry, I got a minor in entrepreneurship and small business management, and that was basically just to help kind of um, give me some more basics for what I needed for starting a business. When I graduated undergrad, where I got my um, degree in interior design and business, I went and I worked for contractor doing design build. Now working for a contractor was amazingly helpful because I was learning details and I was learning the ins and outs of the architectural world through the eyes of a contractor, which was so invaluable and I really almost recommend every architect to go work for a contractor for a little bit just to get that perspective of um, costs and uh, how a project is run and communication and all that sort of thing. It was really helpful. So we were working on design build, which was starting to build my own portfolio. We were working on projects where I was the lead designer. They weren't really doing design build before I got there, but there was always people coming to them wanting to work with them on design. They didn't have anyone on the team um until I came around so they looked at me as an opportunity to s- now offer services like that. And we were doing some small jobs um but it was starting to teach me that side of things like working with clients, like actual real clients, working with budgets, working with schedules. All these things um that were allowing me to see what it was going to be like in the future. So I ended up um, okay, so this was like 2013. Then in 2015, I went to get my master's in architecture. And at the same time, which <laughs> it's funny seeing the dates because it was January of 2015, I started my master's. February of 2015, I applied for my business license for Beyond Young Design. So I actually started B Young Design a month into grad school. And again, I had been doing design build for a little while. I had been working for an interior designer for years before that. And I had worked for contractor um, doing more like business side of things um, even before that. So it wasn't like I was, you know, fresh into it. I mean, I was pretty young and pretty fresh into it, but I mean, it wasn't like my first rodeo. I I had been doing it for a little while, but I decided that I wanted to, to get my business license so I could just Get the ball rolling. I could start taking on really small projects if they were around. I could start working on branding. I could start creating a face um, for what this company was that I wanted to create. So I started my master's. While I was in my master's, I was still working for the construction company doing design build. And then I also got a job working for an architect, it was a small architecture firm where we were working on really incredible projects, um, a lot bigger than what I was used to. I was used to more residential. These were um, commercial, mixed use, um, some big projects like uh, resorts and sky rises and stuff, which was really fun. Um, I knew my heart was always in residential, but it was really fun to work on projects like that and learn from that side of everything. So I worked those two places while I was in school. Now, when I was in school, I started getting some small jobs under Beyond Design, and and everyone was cognizant of this. They were all supportive of me doing this, so it wasn't like I was totally um, hidden moonlighting or whatever you want to call it, but it was all, you know, if I could keep up with my work with everything, then all was good. So, sounds like a lot, because it was, um, but my plan was eventually start my firm. Now, what that looked like is I figured, and how I had it on like my 10-year plan, is after school, I would go work for, or after I graduated from my master's, I would go work for an architecture firm for maybe like two to four years and get all that experience during that time, work on my licensing, and then get licensed and go solely out on my own. Now, things changed a little bit because um my last year of grad school, um I got pregnant. Um my husband and I had been together for like 8 years, so it wasn't, you know, totally out of left field, but it ended up happening a little sooner than we had anticipated, which is wonderful. Um and I'll tell you why. So I found out I was pregnant May, right before I started my thesis year. Now I was really excited about my thesis year because I had all these big ideas of what I wanted to do. And I remember one of the first people I told, oh, I'm pregnant. I'm so excited about this, which, you know, um, and this, oh, well, what about school? And to me, I never really, felt like it had to be one or the other. I've always wanted to be an architect and I've always wanted to be a mom. So to me, it was just, oh, I'll just figure it out make it happen. And um, I'm going to come out with a whole nother episode all about that specific topic about being a mom in architecture and kind of that dichotomy that we have to live with as women of choosing one or the other or feeling like we have to choose one or the other um, and what that looked like of not choosing one or the other, kind of trying to do them both. Um, I want to have a, a discussion about that and then also one about passing the exams while a mother too, which isn't easy, but that's a whole other topic. So <laughs> um, so yeah, so I decided, well, I'm just going to, I'm going to do the year-long thesis and uh, I was, my due date was the first week of winter quarter, and I just made it really clear to all my professors, hey, I'm going to work my ass off the first fall quarter, okay, wait, fall, winter quarter, and then spring? No, I don't know. I was due January, whatever that looked like, and I was supposed to graduate in June. So, Everyone was super helpful with me. I worked really hard during that fall, um, and I got ahead so that I knew I was going to be out for like a little bit. But with that said, I literally came to school the day before my due date to meet with my thesis advisor, and we're sitting there, and she goes, when are you due? And I'm like, oh, tomorrow. (laughs) She's like, you shouldn't be here. Did you drive by yourself? I'm like, I'm fine. (laughs) So you just kind of, you know, you make things work and you figure it out. But so then I had my beautiful daughter. And then um, I remember like two weeks later into uh, after I had given birth, my professor emailed and said, oh, I've been wondering like when you're going to be back in school. And I was like, oh, shoot, she already expecting me back. Like I thought I had this little buffer because I, you know, kind of worked ahead and I've been... Obviously communicating through email, which now with all the stay at home things, like how easy would that have been? Um, And so I'm like, okay, I'll be there on Wednesday. So I show up with my daughter because I couldn't really leave her at two weeks just with my husband. I was breastfeeding and anyways. And so I show up and my professor goes, oh my gosh, she's so little. How old is she? And I said, oh, two weeks. She goes, what are you doing here? I'm like, I don't know. I thought I was supposed to be here. And she's like, no, go home. I said, oh, okay, well, let me know what I need to do. I'll, You know, I can sit here for, I'm already here. I'll work for a little bit. But needless to say, I stuck with my work and uh, worked hard and newborns sleep a lot. And luckily my newborn was... She was a good sleeper. She slept a lot during the day. And then being up a lot at night, I was used to that because of architecture school. So it all kind of worked out. I was able to graduate in June as planned. Now here is the whole point of that whole story is to tell you kind of why this helped me so much because I was planning on going to work for another firm for a couple of years, but I had this five month old and the idea of now... Leaving her to go work for a firm, and I had projects going on my own already, so it was like, okay, I could go work for a firm, finish out these other projects that I'm working on for myself and get a get daycare, um, and figure out all those logistics. And I knew that starting out in architecture, it would be long hours. The pay really isn't that great when you're starting off, and so when I was working it out, what I was making working for myself versus what I would be making elsewhere, plus like the daycare and everything, and the added hours and and the flexibility that I had, it just did not make sense. So having my daughter actually allowed me the flexibility to be comfortable enough to stay on my own. So in the beginning, of course you know, a lot of times I would feel like, okay, what am I doing? You know, when, because when you're working for yourself, there's ebbs and flows. So when I would be at a low point where not a lot of work was coming in, I was like, I should just go work for another firm. I could have stability at least like every two weeks I would get a paycheck where when you're working for yourself, there's not necessarily that stability. Like some months or weeks are really great, but then some months, aren't good and then you're spending a lot of time um you know trying to get jobs um that you're not getting so there's a lot of like unpaid work obviously because there's marketing there's meeting with potential clients there's all the all sorts of stuff that's not billable so I would often come to this kind of like crossroads should I go work for someone else and in the end I would always say no it's just I know I'm gonna get there. I know I'm gonna get there um, and each year I would kind of do, you know, a little bit better, a little bit better. But I had to remind myself too, like I had this flexibility where my do- I was able to be with my daughter and um, not put her in like daycare. Once she was 18 months, she started Montessori school and that was kind of a game changer because then I really had a lot more time to focus heavier on my work. So in 2017, so I'm going to Kind of right around there, five um, five months after I had graduated, I started the Ares. so my daughter was about 11 months old. and um, I ended up passing the last Are in uh, November 2019, so she was just under three. Um so it took me a while and it probably took me a little bit longer because I had her and I had work at you know building a business and everything but then I went and I took the CSE and I was licensed now becoming licensed I knew would be a game changer even though I was working on project typologies that I could legally be working on as an unlicensed designer but I knew that I wanted to be an architect. I wanted to be able to consider my company as an architecture firm, not just a design studio. And it was always just like having to explain that to people was always so annoying. <laughs> so I'm like, I wanted it's, it's Saying you're an architect, saying you have an architecture firm, it's clear cut. It's obvious what you do. So anyways, that was always my goal. Um, and that definitely did make a big difference, I believe, in my company as soon as I was able to do that. So the projects that I started out on were not your dream projects necessarily. And I want to mention this because I feel like it could be maybe easy to be deterred in the beginning when you have these grand ideas of what type of architect you want to be and what type of designs you want to do. And maybe they're these grand designs, and then you're starting off doing maybe a deck or a little bathroom remodel or something like that. And um, it can feel discouraging at first. And with anything, with the project typologies, with income, with mistakes that are made along the way, there's so many times where you will want to feel like, it would be easier to give up. Um, that it would be easier just to stop what you're doing, go work for someone else, put all that stress and pressure on someone else's shoulders. So, so starting a business, especially in architecture, takes a lot of perseverance and optimism. And knowing that in the end, it will be worth it. I mean, I'm six years into it and just... Not long ago, I've gotten to a point where I'm like, okay, this is totally worth it. Although it's kind of always been worth it, but it's it's all starting to feel like where I've wanted to be. And I know that it'll continue to do that. I also know that there will be highs and lows. There will be some months coming up where maybe no clients are coming in or, you know, it, it, it has to do a lot with the economy There's a pandemic, you know, there's unexpected things that do throw, um, you know, it, it throw unexpected situations at you. But here's the thing too, is when you work for someone else, there are always just as many unexpected situations, if not more, because say a pandemic hits and the company needs to drop employees because they need to, they, they don't have enough income to be able to sustain everyone. Well, if you're an employee, then you're going to get cut. If you're the owner, likely you could fire everybody else and keep yourself on in order to keep things going. So although you may be really stressed out and trying to figure it all out, there's more stability in running the company. Um, There's other things like, you know how I said earlier, getting your paycheck every two weeks. Yeah, that's predictable however the growth and the raises that are you know that are there are more limited so of course there's growth of course there's all sorts of um potential there however it's um usually like capped or usually it's because you know you have to have a conversation with somebody and it's um not so much related to how hard you're working. And I don't know, maybe that's not the case, but that's how I feel. And with running your own company, yeah, you do get hit when when you don't have projects coming in. If you have people working for you, it's terrible to feel like, okay, now I have to let someone go. Or you can't pay, pay payroll or whatever. That is so not good feeling. (laughs) But then when you're profitable, those profits go into the company and then go back to you. So there's so many more um, pros that go along with that. So there are pros and cons of starting your own business versus going and working for someone else. I am a firm believer that not everyone is meant to be entrepreneurs and, and business owners and if we were, then this society wouldn't function properly because everyone would be a business owner and you wouldn't have anyone to work for you. <laughs> so I I think that um, there's a right uh, position for everybody. And I think we're in this like entrepreneur era, era not error era, where it's like cool to be an entrepreneur. I don't know. And then maybe it's just something that I see because it's the world I'm in, but I, I feel like I see it so often and I don't want people to feel like you're less of because you don't want to run a business. Running a business is, especially in architecture, is a lot because you have to wear a lot of hats. You have to be um, an architect, you have to be a politician, you have to be a graphic designer, you have to be um literally, I mean, I, I I could go on and on and on marketing, you have to be business, an accountant, all these things. And of course, this is mainly for like a solopreneur. Once you get uh, established enough, you can start hiring people for these, which is the goal. But I think it's important to know that a lot of architects or designers just want to be designing. They don't really want to be dealing with all this other stuff. And sometimes when you're the business owner, the last thing you're doing is designing, or that's just one tiny piece of the puzzle. So I think it's a really important thing for people who are wanting to be, um, business owners or start their own company is to remember that, to remember that it isn't all glitz and glam. Um, you know, what you see from the outside is just a tiny, tiny, tiny piece of what goes on behind the scenes. So it might not be for you, but that's okay. I mean, you can always try it out and and see. So if you do want to try it out, I want to share just kind of the things that I wish I would have known from the beginning. Not that it would have really changed anything, but... um and maybe actually, it's better. You know how sometimes it's better to not know things, um, because if I knew everything before I started or knew what I would was getting into, I might have been a little too nervous to start. So I don't say any of these to freak you out or deter you in any way. Just to give you a heads up of what to expect. And um, one of those things I kind of I kind of mentioned a couple of these is. Um, one is you the project typology. Like I said, you might be starting out doing decks. You might It may, might take five years to even start working on the projects that you really want to be designing. And it's really easy to look at other companies or other architects and see what they're doing and what they're designing and being like, "Ugh, why am I not getting projects like that?" Now here's the thing: I believe. Every single project I've worked on has been a stepping stone to the bigger projects. If I would have started... Hey, before we get started, if you are ready to pass your exams and become a licensed architect, you're going to want to listen to this. We are revolutionizing architectural education. It is my goal and mission to help as many people as possible become licensed architects while still maintaining their happiness. So introducing the architecture of play. This is our secret podcast series that will transform the way you study and prep for your ARE. Imagine having a happy work-life balance while also pursuing your dream of becoming a licensed architect. I promise you, it is possible. Our seven-episode private podcast gives you exclusive access to the secrets that can make this dream a reality. Remember, the more fun you have, the more likely you are to pass your exams and become a licensed architect. Start listening today at dci.beungdesign.com slash secret podcast. Don't miss out. This is going to transform your exam prep and help you enjoy the process of becoming a licensed architect. All right, back to the episode. with the big project, I would have been so over my head, I would have made so many mistakes, I wouldn't have known what to do. So each little thing has been a development. And whether that's in architecture, or whether that's in how I communicate with my clients, my project deliverables, my proposals, all these things get better and better and better with each project you have. So starting small is not a problem. Starting small is almost a gift because you're not so overwhelmed with all The details of a big project, you can start working on things like your deliverables in the beginning on a smaller project. So just know that, but then know to appreciate those different typologies. Now, the second thing is that I kind of already mentioned as well, is just that you're not just an architect because you do have to wear a lot of those hats and that's not for everybody. So of course, if you're a solopreneur, Solopreneur, meaning you're working for yourself and you don't have anyone working for you. You will be designing, of course, but for that project, you're also going to be doing all the client correspondence, you're going to do all the accounting, you have to do your taxes, you have to do, um, you know, sometimes you have to be a negotiator, you have to talk budgets, you have to talk um, contracts, you have to do, um, sometimes family therapy i mean there's a lot to it so you're not just sitting there designing some people might feel more comfortable sitting down and having a manager say hey this is what we're designing this is kind of what the clients want this is the scope of work go for it and then you just sit and you just design and then you submit it you don't have to do the client presentation um you know, so that's, that's just not for everybody, but that's something to remember. You have to be the face of your company if you are running the company. So the other thing, which I also talked about, I'm just kind of trying to like organize this a little bit (laughs) because I tend to just talk, um, is income. So like I said, the income can be variable. Um, there's ebbs and flows. Some months are great. Some months are tough. And, um, You have to be able to learn how to manage that appropriately, basically. Um, The other thing you have to learn to deal with and in architecture, I think going through architecture school, we are taught this and um, you learn from it, but I think it's a good reminder is rejection. You're not going to get every client and sometimes you're going to work really hard to get a certain project and you don't end up getting it. Or maybe you design something and they don't like it. So this can, um, you know, feel like rejection, but it's okay. Not every client is meant for you and you are not meant for every client. And I think learning that, that like oftentimes you don't want every client and and understanding that method or um, that mindset is super, super helpful um, not to get too invested in something because you might just not get everyone. But here's the thing too, is if you don't get that client, it's a better one is waiting for you. It frees up the ability to have a better one come along. So just being aware of that, not taking it personal, um, but knowing that it's a big part of it. And that's just, you know, you get used to it. It's not a problem, but just something to be aware of. Um, the other thing is mistakes. So mistakes will will happen. We are human. Um no set of plans is perfect. No human is perfect. And so mistakes are bound to happen and figuring out how you deal and manage with those mistakes will make you the business owner that will either be successful or not successful. Um I think open communication and honesty is always super important. Um But mistakes are a bummer and, you know, I'm much better with rejection than, uh, you know, dealing with mistakes and not in the way I, you know, I'm, I'm good with being open and communicating and honest with them, but it just is a shitty feeling. So knowing that they happen, every mistake that I've made have been an incredible learning lesson. Um, mistakes I don't make again. And so you kind of have to make these mistakes oftentimes in order to learn them. Some of the mistakes I've made, I wouldn't have been able to learn from a book or from a classroom. So um, you kind of have to just get out there and take a risk, which comes with possible mistakes and learn from them. Um, And also get insurance. It's good to get errors and admissions insurance and Uh, California, it's not required professional liability insurance, but highly recommended. So just part of part of one of the overhead expenses that you have to plan for. The other thing, the last thing I'm going to say about what I wish I would have known is that it's going to be slow and steady, that you're not going to be the architect or the firm you want to be overnight. Maybe in 20 years or 15 years, for sure, you can get there, or 10 years, you can get there, or maybe even sooner. Everyone's different, but it takes time, and especially in architecture, because a lot of the work comes from word of mouth and from projects that people have seen you do. Now, when you start a project, you start designing, and then they build it, and then you get really good photos of it. That's like a time frame of anywhere from a year. Plus I've had projects be two plus years. So it takes a long time, even just to build up that portfolio. Plus then those clients who are going to refer you. Most of my successful projects have come through referrals from other clients. And so just that in itself builds up over time. So I don't expect it to happen overnight. And this can be discouraging because you can think, oh my gosh, I've been doing this now for two years. I'm still doing not projects I really want to be doing. I'm not really making the money I want to be making. But the way I looked at it was each year I was doing a little bit better. It wasn't a whole lot, but it was a little bit better. And each project, you know, I'd still have projects that like didn't really like light me up the most, but there would be like one new project that was a little bit better. And then another project that was like a little bit better. And so for me, it's been this slow growth, but it's been really steady and um, has within maybe just the last year, so after five years or so, kind of blew up. Again, everyone's different. Everyone's journey to get there is different. And so some people's pathways might be quicker, some might, might be slower. But It's just good to know that you're not going to be, well, it's so funny. I was just going to say, you're not going to be an award-winning architecture firm overnight. Well, technically, I won an award like a year or two years into having my firm. But here's the thing too, is like, that doesn't mean a whole lot. I mean, it does mean a lot, but like, even when you win awards, you're still going to want to get to a certain position. I don't know. I I I it's not going to happen overnight. Even if you win your first award within 6 months of starting your business, it's still going to take clout, is that the right word, to to um show who you are as an architect and as a business. So be okay with the time that it's taking. Now, I was gonna go a little bit into how to get started to um if you wanted to start a company, but I the episode's getting a little long and so you know I want people I this next this next topic is really important and so I don't want people to miss it if they only listen to like the first half of this. So I think next week I am gonna talk about how to get started. So if you are maybe a student right now or working for someone else and you're like, I want to start my own studio. What can I do today to get started? What can I, um, what can I do to prep or how can I literally get started today? So I'm going to talk about that next week. Um, I think it'll be good on its own accord. Um, and I'll also talk about like when I recommend getting started and, um, and any other, tips or tricks I have. So if I, if you want anything else to be included on that, you can shoot me an email or a DM on Instagram at Young design, leave a comment here on YouTube. Um, on, it's funny on podcast. You can't really leave comments. So there's not any like direct conversation, but you can go on my website, be I always have show notes slash blog, um, corresponding with this episode. So you can leave a comment there. There's Literally a thousand ways to get a hold of me, and I'm usually pretty responsive. So stay tuned. Next week, we are going to talk about how to get started and any last words of wisdom I have for getting started. I hope this was valuable. I hope this at least provided a little insight into who I am and why I got started and how I got to where I am right now. I guess I don't talk about my own journey the most. I talk about more like recommendations and stuff. So I figured I should stop, backtrack a little bit, let you know my story. And I probably left out like most of it, but at least gave you a little bit of an idea. If you have further questions, reach out and I will let you know. All right. Talk to you next week. Bye.